When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Bar Humbug, a podcast about the cuddliest of all movie genres, the Christmas movie. My name's Helen O'Hara and I'm in my most rhinestone-heavy ball gown right now because today we're talking about an extremely glamorous entry into the Christmas canon. Yes, that's right. Today we're going to be talking about Mariah Carey's magical Christmas special, new this year on Apple Plus, and we're contrasting that with 1954's White Christmas. Yes, the one with Bing Crosby and Danny Kaye. Will this new contender soon be joining the ranks of the Christmas classics, or will it face financial ruin during a snow-free winter in Vermont? Well, with me to talk about it are two of the world's greatest Christmas movie experts, two women whose boobs, like Mariah's, entirely defy gravity. Uh, first up, I'm delighted to welcome film journalist, Time's Up UK co-chair, First Film Club founder and all-round legend, Hannah Flint. Hello! And also, thank you for the representation of my boobs. Appreciate it. <laughs> you're welcome, you're welcome. <laughs> Um, and we're also joined by journalist, author and screenwriter, a uh, lady from Down Under, who's behind the best-selling Supernatural Sisters series, Maria Lewis. Hello. Hi. I really wish my boobs defied gravity in the same way <laughs> Mariah's have. Their endurance over a four-decade career is truly aspirational. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I mean, we are going to get into this and not just Mariah's boobs, but just generally Mariah's career. But it is it is a, a mir- miracle of a career. Um, but yeah, I should I should explain. So Hannah and I know each other, obviously, from screenings around London. We we see each other all the time. She can't get rid of me. I'm sorry. Um, Maria <laughs> and I have been friends since Comic-Con mm. in like 2009. Yeah, it was Twilight Breaking Dawn part Twilight. one because we got locked. That's right. We got locked in the, they did the big global press conference for it where they locked all of the journalists in a room for three hours and you couldn't leave. And, oh my God. Um, and I was super intense and Helen was the the person I sat next to and we just maintained witty banter through the duration, Pretty which much. was yeah. wonderful. And, you know, Comic-Con is a real bonding experience. You see each other for 82 hours each day, every day for two <laughs> weeks. So that really, you know, yeah. solidifies the friendship. Exactly. But since then, you have become like a major author. Like, what's this, eight books in now? I was just reading Who's Still Afraid, which is your new one. Um, oh, it's amazing. Thanks for supporting the dream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give me them sales, baby. <laughs> is it out? It's not, I don't know. I got it on Kindle, so I don't know. Is it physically out here in the UK? Yeah, yet? it is. Yeah, it's um, same day release everywhere all over the world, which yeah. was kind of simultaneously kind released of nice. like Avengers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is so weird because all of my books are through Little Brown in London, but um, just the way pub- like traditional publishing works is so weird and specific, as you know, Helen, with like all your books, but they, um, 
like different territories at different times. And it's super frustrating because it's like all of your editorial stuff goes out in London. And then they're like, well, because you're Australasia, we'll release Australia, New Zealand first. And then there's like a countdown clock as if it's like a Keith mm. Sutherland show. And it's like X <laughs> amount of months into the next one. You're like, this is so confusing. Can we just do it? Wacky concept, guys. Can we just make it like super easy for people to access wherever they are? Did you, did you also send out like a don't spoil the sisters hashtag? <laughs> Like nah. truly Avengers fashion, like no, nah, that's, the, the fans know, real ones know. <laughs> but it's also um, each each novel in this series is like a different main character, so it's not like there are definitely spoilery things, but it's not the kind of mm. thing that that people would ruin. Thankfully, so <laughs> yeah, hopefully not. It feels it does feel like you're building up to a, a big portals mm. two, kind of moment. Two to though. go, two to go. I don't okay. know what I'm going to call it. On this action, I feel. <laughs> I, I think is I say that I've got. I mean. Um, you can see if you, well, we're not going to have video, but I've got a few books out that I put on my window. So I was like, Hannah, read these books. And I've read like one all year. Mm. It's, I find it, I don't know. I just have not had the energy. Like, you know what? It's 2020. 2020 is a hard it. year for consuming no media. <laughs> it has really been super tough. So I totally get it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So before we get into talking about these films, um, uh, are, tell me about your attitude to Christmas movies. Are you are you an elf or more of a Grinch? Elf. Elf, 100%. Oh, wait, are you on about, like, as in the movies or, like, just people in, in general? You, I thought you meant, like, no, oh, as in are you, you, you love Christmas rather than, or are you, like, an yeah. absolute I was like, where is she taking this? In my bow. Like, what? <laughs> I was, like, naughty and nice. Uh, no, I, I think um, I'm definitely more of an elf, Will Ferrell elf mm. person for sure. Yeah. Um, and also, like, not to I know not to get ahead of myself, but I did also feel that like Mariah's Christmas special had very elf undertones quality mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not to get yeah, but yeah, I love elf. That's Mariah's macro big picture thinking. Just uh, yeah. <laughs> just quietly. <laughs> so derivative. <laughs> um, I would say. I'm I'm on the fence. I, I know mm. that's not like the catchphrase, like it's not Elf on the fence or whatever, <laughs> but it, it truly depends. Like Elf, you mentioned, Hannah, you mentioned the Will Ferrell Elf would be one of my faves and like one of my mm. more recent faves. But really I'm just like it's got to be a good movie. I know that sounds like I can't just watch anything Christmas. I can watch anything yep. horror, but like I need, if it's going to a Christmas movie, I need it to be good. That's like yeah. <laughs> that's my low bar to clear is like can you be good and then you know, depending yeah. on it from there. Also, so I, it's a I, good thing I didn't give you Operation Christmas Drop then, which thank was you. Not good. You know, Operation <laughs> Dumbo Drop though. That movie is um, directed well. by Simon Windsor, who's like a very well-known Australian filmmaker. But he was like our horse guy for like two decades. So anything that had horses or animals in it, just vaguely, <laughs> he was the dude. He would do it. Man from Snowy River, like even Free Willy. But he's important to me because he did The Phantom, which is like one of <gasps> oh my, my OGs. Oh, my God, yeah. Is that Philly yeah. Zane? Yeah, baby. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> wow. Slam, <laughs> evil. That was the tagline. <laughs> I'm very much like... I'm not um, rigid. Uh, you know, everyone has the every year is like, what's a Christmas movie? Oh, Die Hard's not a Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I hate no. those conversations. I, I, I'm very much like, if it happens at Christmas, it's a Christmas movie. If it's got Christmas elements, it's Christmas. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It just mm. feels like I watched Gremlins again recently. Yes. And I was like, oh, we don't talk about this enough as a Christmas mm-hmm. movie when it's very clearly yeah. a Christmas oh, movie. Christmas like, movie. it's so yeah. batshit. I love it. All um, of Shane Black's repertoire, you know, like Iron Man 3 is a Christmas yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
I don't understand why we only talk about Die Hard being a Christmas movie. Mm, I like, and, and everyone acts like it's the most important thing in the world. It's like, okay, it can be a Christmas movie. That's fine. Yeah. And? I wonder, like, <laughs> so? why do these repeated things happen? Like, who sparks it? It's like, what's the worst? I want to say circular. It's not circular. It's like when it comes in a circle. Like, a circle jerk? Cyclical. Yeah, cyclical. Cyclical. I got this. <laughs> or circle jerk. It is a circle jerk. Um, because it's a circle and the guy who starts it is a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like I saw this week, it's like it's like why do Brits see beans on toast? It's like we've had this conversation. Like it's, you know, we don't need to go over it. Like why do we need to do like every week? I don't. Know, I'm sure you get this, Helen, as well, Maria. But like it's like oh, these are the voted the best Christmas movies. It's like I don't care. <laughs> like why do I need yes. a poll every year? Like it's, yeah, it's always going to be the same thing. Love actually, we get it. So I also work as a um, as a film curator at the Australian Centre for Moving Image, which low-key, the world's most visited film museum. It's dope. Come visit Ooh. us if you ever come down <laughs> under. But we, I was hosting as part of like an ongoing program that we've had going throughout 2020, lots of different films, sort of like pop cultural, pop culture, I don't want to say pop cultural cult classics, but things like we mm. did a F- Mad Max Fury Road for the fifth anniversary, Candyman, around Halloween, Bill and Ted, the OG, Birds of Prey, stuff like that. But we put out a vote to see what people wanted us to do for uh, Christmas. And I was mm-hmm. obviously super invested in it because I'm the one who has to present the program. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> oh, please don't let it be something like, you know, Miracle on 34th Street or whatever. Um, but the they had to vote on a bunch of different films and Home Alone was ultimately triumphant, which is like, you know, hmm, yeah, I obviously... Like very easily, easy people pleaser. You know, it's a Christmas yep. movie, but it's not necessarily shoving candy canes down your throat in a mm. um, super Christmassy way. That makes sense. Mm. I do quite enjoy I, like that. Like I enjoy films that it's just the back. I think I enjoy ones that are more of the backdrop to Christmas, where there's actually just a whole mm. other thing going on. It just, you know, it could have been set during summer, but there's something yeah. about Christmas that makes it a bit more funny. Um, mm. Even, you know, even like Jingle All the Way, like I love, I kind of love that film, even though, you know, it's like him trying to get a Christmas present. It's more than him trying to get a Christmas present. Yeah. It's him trying to be a good dad and finally yeah. like the kind of I'm stress of that. Trying not to be an absentee yeah. father, yeah. wild concept. I even yeah. like, um, have you seen The Night Before? It's yeah. fairly recent. Yes. Uh, one, yeah. Honestly, one of my more recent faves, like a movie that I really, truly enjoy watching. There's like a whole bunch, obviously, like Office Christmas Party and Bad Santa and anything that's sort of like in that R-rated comedy sphere around mm. Christmas, mm. I think is enjoyable just to switch up from all the kid-centric stuff. Schmaltz. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But Night Before is like, a, you know, yes, it happens at Christmas and it's like a Christmas tradition, but it is about all these three friends as they're about to go on their separate ways and the only thing connecting them, you know, is the past. Mm. So mm. I kind of I kind of love that idea of there being it has to have something else going on. It can't just be yeah. and then Christmas, like even the holiday, you know, it's like they're they're two women who are trying to find themselves and they need to do a house swap and there's a cottage, yeah. but also Christmas. And you're like, okay, sick, mm. right, whatever, mm. let's go. Yeah. I mean, it, that that one has enough kitchen porn alone to keep me going. Oh yeah, without, you know the anything else. Nothing oh, says Christmas like marble tabletops. Am I right? Oh, Nancy oh, Myers. Add just oh. We'll add we'll add Family Stone to that because that is like oh, yeah. I, that, I think that is for me my my go to Christmas movie because Super it's fun. so yeah, and also it's so cynical and like. It's so horrible. Like, oh, I'm cringing so much mm. during it. It's like it this it, it feels real because people are 
like arseholes. Like, and I think sometimes there's that, I mean, look, there's a sugar coating. It's like, oh, look at us. It's like, no, they allow people to be absolute dick, dickheads. So it's like, yeah, yeah, Rachel McAdams plays such oh, a good asshole in that. I She's know. Amazing. Yeah, no, I love that That movie's one. really come into its own. I feel like nobody yeah. spoke about The Family Stone for the first like sort of five years after it came out. And now I feel like around this time, obviously festive season every year, it starts to pop up and people sort of yeah. start to pick pick it as like an unconventional Christmas choice, which I appreciate. Mm. There was there was a little bit of, um, uh, I think it was an oral history I read somewhere mm. of it this year. And, you know, there's a little bit of momentum gathering around it. I feel like it's becoming, maybe it's just more recognisable than some of the ones with, you know, perfect families and big, gorgeous houses. I mean, there's still a big, yeah. gorgeous house, but, you know. Or it's just like how many more things can you say about Home Alone every single year, you know? <laughs> like every time or how many more like deep dives on the night before Christmas can you do? It's just like the, mm. the films that are the obvious ones that are right at the forefront of people's minds have been, have been done. Yeah, so talked about yeah. and overanalyzed and, you know, discussed. I feel like it's part of that, ro- like it's because it's kind of a romantic comedy and I feel like like the holiday love actually like I mean they've all they've obviously got problematic elements, but I think there's a sort of kind of dismissiveness to that genre even when it's at Christmas. And actually, mm. sometimes it takes time away from it to appreciate it. Like at the time, it's like oh god, this is like you know Sarah Jessica Parker. Oh look at her trying. It's like no, this is actually really good. And I think Vulture uh, do are really good at like doing those kind of oral like I think I saw oral history they did on the family stone I don't even know it's like this week there's this been whole Nancy Mayer's week thing yes and her daughter like Nancy Mayer's daughter did not take kindly <laughs> to a piece that was clearly a celebration of like the whole Nancy Mayer's aesthetic because I think denying that aesthetic choices like costume like you know production design and stuff isn't part of someone like isn't tropey and part of Nancy Mayer's world but I think it was because her movie, it basically said that her movie Home Again, which she directed and her mum reproduced, was just a facsimile of a Nancy Myers movie. And it was like, that's fair enough. So she wrote this whole thing saying, this whole oral history is sexist. It's like, I'm sorry that your <laughs> film's not good, dude, but like, chill. <laughs> but yeah, I think, well, I mean, one of our films today is actually co-directed by the son of a Hollywood director. Mm, so yes. we can, you know, we can get into the, get the into influence it, of Francis Ford Coppola <laughs> on uh, Mariah Carey's magical Christmas special. But let me just set up the two films. So we are going to be talking spoilers in this for both films. Just so you're warned, if you haven't seen them, please go away, come back and, and listen if you're worried about spoilers. Um, but just to set it up, Mariah Carey's magical Christmas special is just an excuse for songs. It barely qualifies as a film because it's only 44 minutes. But the story is that Santa's elf, played by Billy Eichner, in his second Santa-related role in 12 months after Noel, (laughs) faces a near-fatal lack of Christmas cheer. The North Pole is nearly unable to function because no one, not even Bette Midler, is feeling cheery this year. And there's only one solution. He must hit up the glitter phone and call Mariah Carey, who, along with her friends, sing songs until the whole world feels more Christmassy. As far as I can tell, that's the entire plot. And then White Christmas from 1954 is essentially a remake of 1942's Holiday Inn with the same star, Bing Crosby. Uh, But Bing and Danny Kaye play a couple of entertainers who met when they were in the army um, some 10 years before this is set and uh, have gone on to become an incredibly successful showbiz duo. But one Christmas, they're due to perform in New York, but they follow two sisters up to Vermont and discover that the two sisters were due to perform at an inn owned by their old general, who now faces financial ruin because Vermont is facing a lack of snow and no one is going to its ski resorts this Christmas. 
So you know what Crosby and Kay decide to do? They decide to put on the show right here, damn it, and raise some money to get the old man through. So my fairly spurious reasoning for putting these two together is that they are two films that are entirely built around getting to one song. And they're both about helping an older guy who lives up north with the power of music. That's all I got. Um, so. <laughs> I do like that it's like, oh, they get into one song that they sing at the beginning on White yeah. Christmas. Yes, of both, of both, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're two the Christmas movies essentially defined by a song, which, um, you know, that's that's an interlinking theme. Let's lean into that. Yeah. Hey, look, yeah. we've had parts of the Caribbean series that was basically made because of a ride, so I feel oh, yeah. like there are, worse, there are worse things to base movies on. There are worse on. things to do. But, I mean, let, let's talk about All I Want for Christmas is You for a minute because it's... Uh, is it the last great Christmas song to join the sort of canon? Like, you know, there are other Christmas songs released every year, but it feels like they sort of come and go. And apart from, unless you have a particular Christmas mix, you know, you don't really hear them again. Mm. Mariah's is everywhere. Yeah, it's amazing. I love, I, it's, it gets, I put it on in pretty much earlier than Christmas, like probably like September. I love it. Yeah. Um, I, it literally, I, the other day I was feeling a bit down and my boyfriend just put it on Spotify and I was like, oh, no, I was just literally <laughs> just getting up and I was like, yes, it fills me with so much joy. Um, but you know what, it's interesting because I feel like you're right. I don't think there has been like one that has really cut through the culture and spread as wildly. And I do actually think Love Actually has helped that a lot because of that final mm. scene with the drums and Livy Olsen. But it's interesting because I feel like I've been, I basically, nowadays with streaming, like you said, if it's on the right playlist, like, I, I go, to, I, I, I like, don't don't put anything on Alexa, but I've got my Alexa in my room, but, you know, I'll say, Alexa, and I'll say, I'll put, I'm going, sorry, I'm whispering, she's gone, shut up, Alexa. Um, but I'll she's say, sentient, oh, you, she's sentient. sentient. I should have put it on mic off, she's listening to everything. Jeff Bezos, stop. Okay, um, I feel, I like put on Christmas hits and then, you know, I'll play like Kelly Clarkson's one or Ariana Grande or Britney Spears and I'm like, oh, actually, these are quite good Christmas songs and I just feel like maybe they just need the right movie to kind of like yeah. reintroduce them, like Holiday Inn, right, with White Christmas. It was like, oh, yeah. um, so obviously it established in that film, that's done another one. Maybe it just needs that kind of, um, the wider audience to hear it and it gets stuck in the head and associated with a scene that people are like, oh, well, now we see it every year and it becomes part mm. of the kind of Christmas consciousness. I wonder if that could kind of help it, help other Christmas songs. Yeah, maybe so. Because this one, it, it peaked at number six originally mm. in the charts in 1995. And it only, it took, I think, 19 years for it to get to number one. Yeah. To be fair, like, uh, All I Want for Christmas is you as a song that was in circulation for a full decade before um, Love mm. actually came out. Like, it was a song that people were familiar with. And it was, Helen, what you said, like one of those new classics. But mm. when they use it as this, like, sort of ultimate song and the finale. <laughs> Finale sounds so weird to say in the context of Love Actually. The Love actually. epic <laughs> showdown, dun, 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 this like Thunderdome for Christmas shit. Um, but when it is used there, it's like, yes, obviously people love that movie and love that scene, but that scene only works if it's a song that people connect with in a Christmas way mm. that isn't like, you know, White Christmas wouldn't have worked there, maybe could have like thrown a wham jam in there, but it that scene works because it is all I want for Christmas. Like I feel it's a mutually beneficial relationship. Mm. And even without that mm. film being as popular as it is, that song really had legs and had proven that it had yeah. legs anyway for a decade. And then now we're at this point where Mariah, I think 
the timing, obviously, 2020 has been, it's celebrating, you know, the 30 years of her career, right? This is the big mm-hmm. 3-0 and her memoir, Meaning and Mariah Carey, came out with Michaela Angela Davis, who co-wrote it really beautifully. And she talks about the inspiration for the song and how it was so heavily inspired by so many traumatic Christmases in her own childhood mm-hmm. that often resulted oh in violence and trauma and Christmas was this time that she just wanted it to be perfect and the only time it ever was was when she had her gay uncles um sort of like sweep her off her feet and like make a Christmas special and organize Mm. decorations and do a little Christmas shoot and there's a bit in the Christmas special where she talks to little um young Mariah uh which Mm -hmm. is it's 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 super meta (laughs) it's really meta I was like that's not rock and roll get their own dance numbers rock and roll are doing fine but yeah she's like grown-up mariah's talking to young mimi and she's supposed to be sad and it's supposed to be miserable and traumatic because that's what her christmases were during her childhood so really cuts through a lot of layers there but in terms of All I Want for Christmas being one of the last great Christmas songs. What's interesting is, so obviously last year it peaked at number one, which was like the Mm -hmm. first time it had ever been at number one. So very interesting. But uh, it also has gone to number one this year in the US and Mm -hmm. in Australia. I'm not sure how it's going over in the UK. To be honest, I don't super keep up with your charts, but I hope things (laughs) are going well. (laughs) But what's interesting is... um, what has entered the charts and also really had legs this year was Oh Santa, which is a song that Mariah Carey, it's an original Christmas song that she wrote on her second Christmas album, Merry Christmas to You, that came out in 2010. And um, so that song's a decade old and there's a remix of that song in Mariah Carey's Magical Christmas that Jennifer Hudson and Ariana Grande sing with her and also which Roman Coppola directs the video for. And so that song has re-entered the charts and I've been seeing that pop up in a lot of people. Like I'm just always interested to see how Mariah Carey infiltrates pop culture because Hannah, I'm sure you don't know this about me. This is why I was probably invited onto the podcast. Is I'm Hadn't a mem- briefly <laughs> mentioned, but now I'm getting an idea. <laughs> yeah, I'm a member of the Mariah Carey Australia fan club. Um, no, I'm a massive Mariah. I am actually, but also um, I'm the president. Actually, uh, would you like? To I, I wish. I wish. No, the lamb treasure credentials. Um, I'm a massive Mariah Carey fan. She's very significant to me. It was like an artist. I fell in love with as a kid. I dedicated my fifth book to her, which was about banshees. So that seemed appropriate. First tattoo <laughs> I ever got was a Mariah Carey tattoo, hashtag no regrets. Um, and I really love her. So I'm like super interested always just to see how she how she sort of like infiltrates people who aren't obsessives and infiltrates people who <laughs> I remember 10 years ago were like, Ew, Mariah Carey, she dresses so skanky. Why do you like her? Her like, ew, Mariah Carey. Remember when she like didn't used to wear bikini tops or remember when her movie flopped or whatever? Like they, mm. <laughs> the glitter years and the charm bracelet years were tough and we've come through it <laughs> and we've all grown together and we're at this point now where she we can be appreciated. We emancipated ourselves from it. <laughs> Mimi was emancipated. The elusive chanteuse <laughs> rose to the occasion. Uh, the memoirs of an imperfect angel are out and people are really sort of appreciating not just who she is as a entity and like as a Mm. fun kitschy personality who seems to have a really sort of like knowing meta sense of humor about herself but also Mm. as somebody who 
writes her own music, produces her own music, has always valued her own IP and had to cut through a lot of uh, controlling men in the industry who've been keen to not only own her talent but also own her gender and own her racial identity and own her sexuality and mm-hmm. own who she is as a woman. That got really deep for Christmas stuff. No, this Sorry. is good. <laughs> I like deep. Deep is great. I now on to Bing Cosby's identity. <laughs> <laughs> no, just to like, I mean, I am definitely not um, a Mariah Stan, but like I feel like I've, I, you know, I think one of my favourite songs of her is like, Got your number with Jermaine Dupri. Like I love. Got your number, baby. Thanks. So I can show yeah, you, you a minute. minute. Yeah, like, I love. Banger, like, banger. Yeah, I'm like very much like when Wentworth Miller was in a music video. Yes, form. yes. yes. Like, in an actual two-parter that had yeah. two-parters because that's yeah. one of my big beefs of the noughts is there were so many music videos, including the Buster Rhymes Know What You Want video that yeah. Mariah was in that are like oh, to yeah. be continued and then they never continue. And yeah. Mariah's with it's like yeah, that and it. we belong together actually continued. Wentworth yeah. and Eric Roberts for some reason oh, were both yeah. back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, that's that's my kind of like that's my that was my entry point really into Mariah. And actually, like I think you know you're right. You're saying it. I all I want for Christmas was well established for for what came out in '95. Did you say it then? But 90, then actually, 94, I think it was a then, single in 93 around Christmas, but, but the album Love, didn't drop till we back. Uh, but Love Actually was only 2000, right? 2003. 2003. So actually it wasn't too far away. But what I feel, mm. and I think a lot will find in this with music and generational understanding and because people are getting introduced to it and not just through kind of films. Like I think people who might have been unaware of like Mariah's talent or seen her as this like faded kind of diva because mm. of, you know, I remember there was a whole beef. Do you remember that music video where she like dressed up as Eminem? Because <laughs> there was a whole beef. I will yes. never, I will never forget. <laughs> She's written five songs about that trifling asshole yeah. and it brings yeah. me so much joy. <laughs> Imagine going around saying that you shagged Mariah Carey and she's like, no, you know what? My rebuttal is just going to be me dressing up in drag as you and yeah. literally making fun of you for a full three minutes and that song will go to number one. Yeah. Like- <laughs> but th- that's the thing. Like she became more famous for the dramas that she was caught up with rather than her actual, do you know what I mean? There was a kind of edge, mm. edge to it. So I think maybe there was that. I mean, Anyway, like, I feel that when Love Actually came around and I heard that song, I swear, I don't think I'd heard that song before. I'm, But you are very young. I mean, no, I'm, you very, know, I'm an old crone, so, you know, <laughs> no, you're, but you're... No, but I knew who Mariah Carey... What I'm trying to say is that I right. knew who Mariah Carey was. Like, I've got the CD singles, <laughs> Helen. <laughs> Excuse oh, sorry, me. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I have the LimeWire downloads. <laughs> but oh, what God, I mean is LimeWire. that... <laughs> the amount of viruses and weird porn that ended up on my computer <laughs> because of, like, me trying to download shit at uni sure, sure. on LimeWire. Because of, yeah. because yeah. of yeah. LimeWire. Yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Search history. Yeah. Clean it up. <laughs> what? Um, but I feel like there was when I watched that suddenly I was like oh my god this song's I mean not just that I mean that I think the music in Love Actually is amazing and someone who's like I've got a Joni Mitchell tattoo that was the first tattoo I got so hearing River and that I was like oh loved it but I feel you know some ways it introduced people who might not have heard the older stuff of Mariah who might have only known the kind yeah. of more recent stuff and I think you know the fact that they got like Ariana Grande in doing that Oh Santa I think you know she is obviously seen by many as a sort of kind of like heir to Mariah because of her, their vocal mm. stylings. And it was so actually really 
wonderful to hear them sing together. Like they were having like a kind of like uh, trill off. Like, oh, yeah, a falsetto yeah. off. And I was like, oh my God, this is magic. It's the whistle register, baby. <laughs> yes. They were like out whistling each other. I'm like, yeah. they're going to break it. They're going to break that fifth octave. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Mariah actually got the highest though. I don't understand uh, yeah. how but she That's goes. That's a respect she- thing though. That's a <laughs> yeah. respect. Yeah. She's, and, and her her kind of whistle register that was her right during the Misty Copeland Nutcracker yes, sequence. I mean, I, wrote I was a bit that like, down. I was like, Nutcracker. How does a voice even do that? Yeah, like, gosh. It was. Yeah, I have wild. to say, I did find that bit of it a little bit um, much <laughs> because I felt I what? felt like a Mariah Christmas special was a bit much. No, wild. I know, but I think it's because I don't think it sounded as good. I think it was a bit husky. I don't know about you guys, but I felt it was like. It, it it didn't seem to, when I first heard it, I was like oh here we go and I was like oh it's quite breathy and husky and didn't feel as powerful because she's having to do it all the whole song in that and I felt like oh yeah. this doesn't work as well but you know I mean she's amazing like I, I mean this is so ridiculous I can barely I'm not trying to criticize her as a singer but I don't know <laughs> like, I, please Mariah don't hate me <laughs> but like oh I, god Mariah forgive me please <laughs> yeah. but yeah I think and I so with the Rwanda thing I think also she's introducing her younger audience too who might again yeah. like you know we mm. all kind of like are so we look down on like Gen Z and stuff like oh you haven't heard this song like and it's like well actually no like there's so many things that I haven't heard that my you know people who are maybe 10 years old of me will know about and I think you know that's and how, vice versa though, yeah you know? exactly and I think you know what uh, you know someone like Mariah because she's you know like Madonna as well she's had phases she's kind of been a bit of chameleon even though fundamentally like it's R&B like that's her j- jam there's been a definitely kind of reinvention reinvention mm. and seen different parts of her life and I think it's only amazing that you know that we're able now to this point that finally and I think there's sexism part of it as well that like, you know, the fact that Mariah is being able to do a Christmas special is actually amazing. I mean, how many fucking ones has Buble done? Like, and he's not even in the same level. <laughs> or even Bill Murray and he can't even yeah, sing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So but I think just, it's about time. Yeah. Just on the whistle register thing, um, in the in the dance off, it's a wee bit of a tribute to Maya Rudolph's mum, uh, Minnie Ripperton, oh, who yeah. was ah. basically the queen of the yeah. whistle, whistle register. Like she was famous for this fifth octave and oftentimes she would be on late night talk shows and tv specials not christmas tv specials but like of that era you know when tv specials yeah. that would go for 45 minutes were much more prominent and do a song that was entirely in her whistle register so wow. it's a little bit of like synergy there between like mariah is often winking back or like making overt and covert references to other especially women of color other black mm. singers yeah. Who, um, like Beyonce. Yeah. I mean, the, the way Beyonce does. I mean, not like exactly. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't be starting something, Helen. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. I'm not. Oh, God. They're friends. They're friends. Mariah and yes. Jay-Z are long-time oh, friends. Oh, it's okay. It's not yeah. J-Lo. It's J-Lo. Okay. Don't worry. She doesn't know. J-Lo. <laughs> and that's what's real. That's, she says that in her audio book when she's talking about her ex abusive ex-husband having um, taken the firecracker sample that she had chosen for Loverboy and taking it and then That's giving right. it to J-Lo and then tricking Ja Rule into doing a remix with J-Lo using Mariah's sample. And anyway, she never mentions J-Lo by name. But at the end of the chapter... I don't chapter, know her. In the, yeah. yeah, exactly. And at the end of the chapter, she goes, and this is the audiobook version and the written version, but the audiobook version has much more oomph. And she goes, yeah. and that's what's real. <laughs> I was just like, oh my God, amazing.
we mentioned Love Actually a minute ago. Another song that's in Love Actually is the Otis Redding version of White Christmas. Mm. Whoop. Actually, yeah, my favourite version. It just Mine too. Mm. Mine too. If you have the choice of an Otis Redding Christmas song or virtually anyone else, Otis Redding is usually the right answer. Mariah accepted, of course. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic cover. But it, like White Christmas as well is one of these enormous songs. That, mm. So some... I think they they officially talk about it having 50 million copies sold, but actually the Guinness Book of World Records put it set at 100 million well, copies. Well, I think the 50 million number is just for Bing Crosby's version. Just Bing, right. And, and then, then there's the Frank Sinatra, yeah. Otis Redding, Michael Bublé, yeah. just everybody. So can I ask yeah. a question? So sure. I, uh, back in when I was a young, young lass, Young we did the Young Whippersnapper <laughs> in Doncaster. I was part of the Hallelujah Christmas concert at Sheffield Ooh. Arena, where it was like, yeah. Anyway, we had loads of Christmas songs to do. And I remember doing White Christmas, but there's always like this opening like verse that I never hear. And it's like, the sun is shining, the grass is green, the orange and palm trees sway. Like this, I'm not going to sing it all. But like, there's mm. that opening and it's like, and it kind of like builds up. It's like, oh, I'm in Beverly Hills, but it's really hot, but all I'm dreaming of is a white Christmas. And then, and I've never, like, can someone tell me, like, I don't even know where that version is. Maybe I should just Google it. But I'm like, I thought when I was watching White Christmas, I was like, oh, maybe it's like in here. And I was like, no, that verse doesn't exist. So like, why doesn't this, is it like, you know, you know, like in the Charmed, <laughs> opening thing of like the opening soundtrack <laughs> where it like creates lyrics for how soon is now that I used to I listened that's the first time I heard that song and then when I listened to the original version I was like where are these lyrics <laughs> this you is, know what? they're missing a bit from the charms uh, Morrissey where are these lyrics gone I don't what's know. so weird about the how soon is now thing which doesn't answer your question but just on a quick <laughs> witch charm pivot is they use that in the craft right which aired only which also had witches in it and was mm. you know female mm. witches and empowerment and kind of like sort of goth urban fantasy stuff only a few years earlier. But now, for whatever reason, in Australia, when you, like, watch Charmed on a streaming service, they don't have the How Soon Is Now. It's, like, mm. just some other, like, holder music that's trying to sort of be like that, but, no. like, guess who don't sue sort of way. It's so weird. It really freaks me out because it's like if they replace the Buffy theme, you know? It's, like, so, yeah, no. like, embedded are in not your okay. psyche. It's not yeah, okay. No. It's not okay. Not okay. Absolutely not. Um, I, I was just looking this up, Hannah, and I mean, so White Christmas was written in California, yeah. in La Quinta, by Irving Berlin. And um, and so it would make sense that that exists. I have not, I think I've heard it once. I think you're right. I think I've heard it. Is this a false memory but, I'm having? Have I just made well, up no, I'm, I pr- I'm pretty <laughs> sure I've heard it too. What is it? I'm pretty sure I've heard it too. And and when I did, I was a bit like, where the hell did that come from? Yeah. And why? And what it is going on? And how do I get rid of it? Oh, but I like it. It goes. What is it? I'm used to I'm used to the common version and uh, you know but, I, I don't have time. But to Helen, things. but it's December the twenty fourth. And I am longing to be up north. I'm oh, dreaming that's a good, of a see, yeah, that's, see, it, that's, a, that's a good, a good it's good. Oh, that's a good rhyme actually. I like that. Yeah, that's it's good. good. Um, okay, fine. Apparently Berlin, though, told his secretary, I want you to take down a song I wrote over the weekend. Not only is it the best song I ever wrote, it's the best song anybody ever wrote. Oh, oh my God. So Mariah is not the only one who believes in themselves around here. You know here. what, you've got to rate yourself. And I said, you know what, hasn't it kind of proven he was sort of right? I mean, it is, yeah. cons- you know, I think it is, it's become established, isn't it? Probably 
you know, one of those time caps. You know, they have like American registry or something of like all the mm. music. It's like, well, we're going to remember this song. I don't actually, can someone explain to me like, how does that work? It's like, is it just like a list? It's like, yeah, it's here. It's like a Noah's art thing. It's like, right, we're taking all these songs with us. No, sorry, French Montana, <laughs> not today. French Montana. <laughs> Lull as if he was on the list. They're like, guys, French, Mr. Montana, I don't know how to tell you this, but um, we're leaving you behind. It's like we're just like in the future, like the earth's totally like gone over Chris, like ice yeah. crystal it's like right we're on the ark to take us away and it's like you're forbidden you're only allowed to know these songs that is it like I'm quite interested in how that kind of works or something but maybe I'm thinking too much into it I'm, I'm not sure how it works I would like to think there's an archive somewhere that they all get put into ceremonially you know and there's there's kind of like gold boxes for each of them or something maybe it's I, like I a black mirror thing where once this song goes in there <laughs> it's like they're stuck and they're constantly having to play the same song like wait why am I still doing this song? Okay, cool. I think I need to. Do you think to- <laughs> there's a bit of that going on for both Bing Crosby and Mariah Carey? Um, you know, because by the time White Christmas came out, that was, what, 12 years after Holiday Inn. Um, and Holiday Inn is it's worth mentioning for a bit. It was a big hit in 1942. It's a very, very similar idea. But in that one, they set up an inn that's only going to be open on holidays. And then so each of the musical numbers is for a different holidays so they have like easter and they have like your fourth of july and they have i don't know george washington's oh, great business plan i don't think no i, I was well, just that's, thinking that that's the so question terrible. yeah it's i always wonder <laughs> about like the movie constructs of places that are set up for very specific things like even something like desert hearts right which is you know they had ranches for women who were going to nevada to get divorced and that's where you could live mm-hmm. to get like a quickie divorce and like okay, but that business model only works for so long before divorce becomes legal everywhere else in the US in the 50s. And then, you know, an inn that's like seasonal. Are you just expanding to weird seasons then? You know, it's like it's National Shoe Day. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, this is kind of the problem with Holiday Inn because, you know, one of the numbers that's in the film is staged for Lincoln's birthday. (laughs) And for Lincoln's birthday, they put on a blackface minstrel show. Oh, you gotta love old Hollywood. usually thankfully that's usually cut out nowadays when it's showing on tv but that's why white christmas is better than holiday inn because you still get to enjoy the number white christmas without having to put up with anything grotesque well because also you don't have to put up with any black people either do you because there's no oh, one well, in no, it. that is the downside. Like, yeah, yeah, that is the like, downside. It's literally, it does exactly what it says on the tin. It is a very <laughs> white Christmas. And that's why I love about Mariah. The biggest thing I saw, like, when the minute Mariah's turned, I was like, oh, look at all these ethnic minorities. <laughs> like, look, it just felt so good. It felt like, oh, this is so, like, and then you see... Inclusive. Yeah, it's so inclusive. And 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 that's what I love about Mariah because, you, you know, you said earlier about, um, you know, her kind of racial identities question. I'm like mixed race as well. And like, I'm, I actually did an ethnicity test and worked out what my DNA is. Um, I'm like 35, 7% North African, 1.3% Nigerian. Woo! I like 5% Middle East. But like, I feel like there's a constant, especially when... You know, when you're light, I mean, she's very light skinned. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like she has to, and I, there's this like, you have to justify your place. And pr- it's like, what are your credentials to being a minority? And like, sometimes I've felt like that, like, oh, because I'm not part of a, that kind of like diaspora culture in the UK. Like, sometimes it's like, oh, I don't feel like I'm diverse enough or like oh I can't claim that I'm North African because you know I'm you know look more Middle East do you know what I mean that kind of thing and I think you know for her to make sure that 
everything that she does has always been a celebration of black culture mm. and, and an acknowledgement of it. Like, I love that, you know, throughout the, sh- you know, she made sure that this is everyone in there. You know, there was Asian people, East Asian people, you know, there was just, it seems so diverse in such a natural way. Also a random guy with a beard, just like tapping on a bench. I saw him twice. And I was like, is he the mayor of like this town? It was just <laughs> this random guy with a beard who looked like Jimmy, what was his name? Jimmy, oh, what? he's in, um, Oh, Star Wars, the original prequels. He's like, he's like Latino. Oh, I can't remember his name. Oh, Jimmy Schmitz. Jimmy Schmitz, yeah, is that him? Yeah, I was like... The what number president of the United States from West Wing. (laughs) Yes, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, oh, that guy, he looked exactly like it. I was like, oh, what's Jimmy doing? But it wasn't Jimmy, but it was like, oh, I love that this is a random kind of like, you know, anyway. Yeah, I was trying to work out, was that like one of the directors? Was that Hamish Hamilton? Was it (laughs) Roman Coppola? Like, because you're right, the camera lingered on him and I'm a bit like, Yeah, in a very specific way. It's like, has he got a role? Like, has he named cast? Like, was he had a lot? Did he have a line and they cut it out? Because only Mariah and Billy get to be. <laughs> well, that's the thing that I think I really like. I mean, obviously, testament to this is what happens when you have diversity behind the camera mm-hmm. in a way that is authentic and representative as you get it in front of the camera as well. If you have a cast and crew and creators that are not just, you know, a Caucasian heterosexual representation, then that bleeds through into all different levels of the production. So in the Christmas special, for instance, like her partner, um, her long-term partner, I think they've been together for like six, seven years, Brian Tanaka, who's Asian American. He's one of the principal dancers in the show. She's obviously got her own two kids featured in a lot, but then there is just a mix in a way that feels really organic and authentic and not in that Hollywood way where they, you know, you know, we yeah. all know the Hollywood way where they're like, look at our quote unquote diversity. And you're like, okay, cool. That's, that's amazing. But it is one of those things that the, the reason I first got into Mariah Carey was when I first moved over to New Zealand, a mom had said to my mom in the playground, she said, um, oh, you know, your daughter kind of looks like Mariah Carey. And it, which is a weird thing to say, cause like what child looks like Mariah Carey. But basically <laughs> what she was saying was like, there's a little bit of ethnic ambiguity there. Like she's a little something, something and I'm mixed race Polynesian. So Mariah, like when mum got me the CD for the first time, cause we never both, the both of us had never heard of Mariah. We came from a very small rural town in New Zealand and we're like, what? And so she bought me the CD and I listened to it. And especially during that era of like butterfly onwards, butterfly rainbow and so on, she's really wrestling with, a lot of the difficulties she felt in her family growing up as somebody who was white passing in a family that was mixed race and where her older siblings would experience systematic racism on the Mm. day to day. And she wouldn't, but then as soon as school kids found out that she had mixed identity, you know, it got super extremely horrible and aggressive and bullying and use of the N word and, you know, physical fights, the whole thing but also experiencing that own insecurity within her own family structure about being the most light-skinned person in the family. So there's a lot of trauma and a lot of stress associated with that and her identity and also how Tommy Mottola and execs at Sony tried to market her as white initially. They tried to market her as an adult contemporary artist and there's all this stuff about how her friendship with Whitney Houston was this 
super rewarding and gratifying experience because it was a woman who not only a woman of color and a woman with an incredible voice, incredible talent, but also incredible trauma. But Whitney was somebody that they tried to shoehorn in a particular box as well with pop and that era of pop. And Mariah was the same, but in a different era. And their bond was this thing of like people trying to control their creativity and control their identity in a way that's super stifling. And it's kind of sad in a way because most of Mariah Carey's peers are dead. You know, Michael Jackson, Prince, Whitney, there aren't many of them left. And you watch something like this and like a lot of, you know, Helen, you mentioned that Ariana Grande is considered like the heir apparent to Mariah's very like bejeweled throne. In a lot of ways, people were saying that about Jennifer Hudson as well, because she straddles Mm -hmm. the line with acting and singing and has such a completely different voice from Whitney, but like such a singular voice and singular vocal talent. And so seeing her in this as well, the whole time I was thinking like, oh man, if, you know, if Whitney was here, she would be in this. They would be doing like some insane duet and then Prince would be up there with Snoop. (laughs) Like (laughs) a little Snoop Dogg cameo where he's like, when he's Santa, you know, it would be something amazing. (laughs) And all those kind of people who'd been, such pivotal parts they're not here to get to have this sort of like glory moment that Mariah Mm. has had where she's like quote unquote made it through the rain so there's a lot of stuff like that like there was a really good piece I can't remember where I read it I want to say it was on the ringer but it was about it was from Rob Harvillo and it was about how the essence of a good Christmas song is sadness in a way yeah and that is sort of like the unifying theme and so watching something like this where you know, there's so much sadness coming from Mariah's own history with Christmas and how that affects who she is and who she was and now who she is currently and who she wants her children to be. It's nice that there's like all this added, added like very kitschy, over-the-top, drag queeny aesthetic to it, especially in the contrast of something like, you know, in White Christmas with the Bing Crosby, like the the song's White Christmas, the first time we hear it is like, in the middle of World War II. Yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah. And you're like, wow, what makes White Christmas as a song sadder? World War II. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that theme of like, Christmas music having to have an underlying core of just sad and then any little extra like jingle jangle you can put on top of it, any other little sparkle or ritz to it is additional. And yeah. I really, I really like, it's it's a paradox in a way, you know, Christmas songs yeah. being sad, but also like dressed as this happy sort of thing. It's the same reason that Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas is one of the all time great Christmas songs because it's a heartbreaker. Yeah. It's a yeah. absolute heartbreaker. Last happy Christmas, sad, you it? gave him in my heart. Like, yeah. oh, yeah. Happy Sad. It's like the cure. All their songs, like Happy Sad. <laughs> 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 um, I think what I really, I, what I thought quite connected them, um, hmm. White Christmas and the special, was. Uh, like you said it was very kitschy looking like it you can what well, I think when you look back at older films now it's very clearly like sound stages you can tell I love like, that though l- yeah I love being able to tell it's a sound stage it makes me so I, happy in my core you know how like you know you said at the beginning it's at war and they had like <laughs> I love that they had this like this screen <laughs> behind them say look at this this real life and then behind them there's also another screen that's basically saying this yeah. is but this isn't real either so it's like this kind of like oh we're kind of protect- I love that kind of meta like oh let's make it look like we're in a real surroundings but actually no we're still 
still in when the they war, go to but Vermont and there's yeah. just like there's like just trees moving outside of like cellophane yeah. windows. Yeah. I love that shit. That makes no. me so I don't know, there's something so comforting about it because I'm like, that's Hollywood, baby. It's yeah. all yeah. fake. That's what I want. And I, I think with the Mariah, I mean, there are points in it where I kind of thought, is she there? <laughs> like, are they actually in the, the same, same Are they in the same room? Uh, when they did the Ariana, especially yeah. the Ariana Grande, Jennifer Hudson bit, I was like, is this so, like, because I was like, when did they film this? Is this... I assume, during COVID. Yeah, was this during, during COVID, COVID where they actually yeah. kind of did a thing where they were actually filmed it at different times and just, like, put them all together and CGI yeah, I it think in? So. And do you think that was the case or do you think they were there? Because I couldn't, I really couldn't tell. <laughs> so the, I was the, looking at the same thing, yeah. Well, the duet with the three of them, I think they, mm-hmm. they so they filmed their pieces separately, but when they mm-hmm. do the final bit where it's all three of them together, they are physically together right. because you okay. see right. them make contact with each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And fi- and this is for coming from someone who's watched like 10 times because me and the Lambley, the Australian Lambley, I had some friends over and we were all watching it and we were doing the same analysis because we were like, lol, this is just <laughs> like, I mean, in the times of COVID, you do what you can do. But just because yeah. how everything was so separate, like even Billy Eichner yeah. as the um, elf at the start when he's like FaceTiming with Bette Midler and Millie Bobby Brown, and I was like, oh, well, okay, you put this Skype session in here because you can't film with these people and this is a safe way to do it and add names mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah and all that kind Such of stuff. Such a random combo of people, though, as well. Such yeah. a Midler and I Millie Bobby Brown. Millie, Millie Bobby would be her kids. That would be like... They they would be massive fans of her, I reckon. And then what? They're like big Stranger Things fans. Yes. I, feel they might, I feel like they might be too young for Stranger Things. They're like 11, 12. Yeah, are they twelve year olds into Stranger Things? Oh god, yeah, that does make sense. Okay, that does right. make sense. I'll, I'll allow it. Wow. I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> Mariah, you're good. <laughs> but that was the thing, like because obviously their backgrounds are so such elaborate CGI, but we were also like analyzing the way people were dancing because there was like a very set Mm -hmm. sort of everyone was quite dis not like in a way that made it super obvious it was socially distanced but it was unusual choreography in terms of the spacing of people and I felt like oh they've had to film this with x amount of restrictions so when they brought the girls in and it's all filming them separately and cutting back I was like oh they're not together and then the bit at the end where they all have their own little solo there's a bit where Jay Hart like just fucking bangs it out of the park and Mariah turns to her and like grabs her shoulder and does this face like oh and I was just yeah. like oh, how they are together yeah oh. no I love that bit I love it it's like oh my god look at all these queens celebrating queens oh, yeah so also I, the the dress that I need is actually the the Jayhud green. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, the one I want. The... I want the Mariah uh, emerald earrings, but the Jayhud mm. dress. So but my yeah. favorite look was, I love the bit where she's she's like run off into the forest. Like why is Mariah love... run off into the forest? And like, she's now, lost. Yeah, but I love how her hair. Like what was so oh. interesting about that scene was because, mm. of course, again we know it's not real, but there was like such a so. I think one also one thing that connects is like how much makeup both she and Big Cosby are wearing. <laughs> throughout. I mean, he's what I find hilarious about um, White Christmas though, because I was like looking at, I was like, well, it was the general that first took me out, and I was like, <laughs> he looks like very young, and so I googled mm. it and checked, and actually, so he's supposed to be the old general Dean Jagger. Um, and Bing Cosby, they're actually like Dean Jag is younger than Bing Cosby by a few months. They're actually <laughs> yeah, both, they're everyone both, in that yeah. movie is so old. It's like I really love White Christmas. <laughs> like I truly, genuinely like that movie a lot. But 
that is one of the things that is truly, it's just such a, such like a throws you out of it every time. Cause the women are obviously all so hot and the men are just so old and wearing so much makeup. Yeah, no, oh, he Danny does. Kay though, Danny Kay, come Danny on. Kay. Both of them, he's actually, both of them he's, are crypt keepers, like 40, God bless No, her. he was actually, he's, I think he's about five or six years younger than Bing at least. But yeah, okay, I, checked, okay. I was like, I need to check the ages. And so like Rosemary <laughs> Clooney was like 26 and Vera... Lynn? Vera Ellen. Vera Ellen. Sorry, Vera Lynn. Sorry. <laughs> we'll meet again. Sorry. Um, she uh, she was like, I think she was about five years older than Rosemary. But yeah, right. it was just a very, like, I think with Mariah, you, there's, there's definitely that whole Hollywood thing, what I love about her. You know, when you look at the gowns that she's wearing, you know, they're the same, like, kind of the one that Rosemary Clooney, where she, where she's doing the kind yeah. of song at the end at the Carousel Club. Mm, it's like, oh, God, wow. this is gorgeous. And then you see Mariah, and you're like, oh, I love that Mariah keeps this kind of, like, glitz, old Hollywood glam alive. Oh, yeah, yes. absolutely. But then there is a thing. Also, it's hilarious because there's a scene where she goes to sleep and she wakes up, she's like, oh, I had a dream in a very, like, I think, <laughs> what annoys me is like, Mariah Carey can act. We've seen yeah. Precious. So yeah. I felt like she's obviously putting it on this really kind of awkward, I'm not acting properly because this is kind of a meta thing. I'm, and that's what mm. I'm trying to say. I feel like I'm trying to defend the bad acting in it because I feel like <laughs> yeah. she's purposely trying to bad, bad the act. I think, I think there is, a, yeah, it's, it's cartoonish, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, she has, so. a, she has a really great sense of humour and a really, um, clever understanding of comedic timing that mm. you see when she's doing interviews, especially more recent interviews where she feels much more comfortable and come into her own. And even in the audio book, um, when she's reading her memoir, like little jokes and quips and asides that she makes, even in songs, like the Eminem song you mentioned earlier, Hannah, she has a line in it where she's like, I see right through you, like you're bathing in Windex. I mean, that is <laughs> yeah. just an all time, like great comedic, dig and she's a very funny person who's also very aware of her public persona being Mm. this sort of personality rather than a person Mm. and like drag culture and gay culture being one of the sort of like two things that have really endured and propped her up when other people and other fandoms have walked away I mean the glitter soundtrack to the flop movie that went number one just two years ago. And a big part of that was because of gay Mariah Carey fans really like campaigning and pushing that up in the charts. So there's a lot of stuff like that where I feel it is very purposeful and intentional, Mm. but at the same time, she is obsessed with old Hollywood. And it was funny, like Helen, you choosing these two as a pair together, because I was like, I haven't watched white Christmas in a while. I need to go back and watch. And so many of the musical numbers, I was just like, uh, you know, like the way they were staged, the costuming. Very the, similar, actually. The yeah. props. And I was just yep. like, like Mariah Carey famously is obsessed with old Hollywood. She's obsessed with um, a lot of like old Hollywood stars, but also people like mm. Marilyn Monroe. She bought her famous like grand piano, all this kind of stuff. So she she's familiar with all that iconography. Like she's putting mm. it there and knowing what it means. But it, I like that it has a bit of a Mariah Carey twist where it's like a yeah. classic Hollywood gown, but it cuts down to my navel. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah why not? Yeah. If I, I had also the love bot, that, I'd do it too. Go hard. I also love that when there's a when there's a blackout, her gown mysteriously, magically changes mm-hmm. from sort of princess skirt yes. to fishtail. No, because that, that. that happens a lot. I mean, it's a real problem. You know, you're, you're wearing one style and then the lights go off and like, boom. Well, this is the yeah, thing. Yeah, it's another I was going to say, so I know I went like massively segue, but I think I was trying to say like, the bit when she's in the forest and like 
she there seems to be a specific spotlight on her face because Obviously. the rest mm-hmm. of her body is is not lit up so it's a very mm. close one a very close one because all around her there's kind of dark and then like there was obviously a f- and I, w- I was like can I hear the fan that's blowing her hair back but it's also <laughs> her hair was designed to look like it was being it was so big and like pulled mm. back in a center parting and it was like oh it kind of already it's like looks windswept and I kind of love I love that and I think you know the uh, you know when she was waking up and she's got full makeup. You know, you saw Rosemary Clooney and like the two characters, they're going to bed with like lipstick on. Like Rosemary's like, oh, crying. Oh no, Bob, Bob wants to make a success. I've misheard something. Miscommunication, a lovely frequent plot line for movies. I misheard something. So now I must end this affair um, until the end. Anyway, but like she's there and she's still got her full lipstick on. I'm like, it's just, ins- you know what I mean? That kind of like this fantasy world. Unfailing glamour. Yeah, it's yeah. like no matter what, you can never not be seen done up. And I love that, that like, you know, Mariah is always committed to, you know, I am, I want this to feel fant- fantastical. I mm. want it to feel like, you know, it's magical and I'm not going to, you know, ruin that with the gritty reality of my, mm. uh, uh, you know, makeup-free face. Not that she wouldn't have a great makeup-free <laughs> face, but you know what I mean? It's like I'm keeping the illusion because it's Christmas and, you know, we're supposed to, yeah. Anyway, but I think she mm. does that anyway. I don't think she would very rarely. Hannah. I've got to send you a TikTok of um, her son, uh, Rock, who he was on TikTok earlier this year. And people were like, oh, my God, is Brian Carey's son on TikTok? And they're like, what? That's crazy. And they're like, prove it. And they're like, put your mum on. (laughs) So he's filming it. And he goes, like, I don't quite know how TikTok works. I'm 32. Like, I stay off there because the teens <laughs> scare me. Um, but he goes to ask her, he goes, Mom, um, will you come on TikTok? And she goes, who is it? And he goes, oh, it's just my friends from TikTok. And she goes, no, I haven't got makeup on. Yeah. The whole thing's <laughs> recorded. It's so good. Yeah. It's, I'll send it to you. It's absolutely, it went viral. Everyone was obsessed. Yeah, I love, Correct. yeah, I think that's what I love about Mariah. Also, I loved her little reference point because I, I don't know, I'm sure, I don't know what I'm talking about. Maria, you absolutely will know this, but like, <laughs> I think the, 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 the cribs. I won't. The Cribs episode that stands out in my mind is when oh, they go around. Yeah. You will. I mean, it's so cultural, but she's like, she's on her, she's on her like, what's it called? Cross trainer. She's cross on a trainer, cross trainer yeah. or a step With stepper heels. or something. The heels. With her inner heels. And then yeah. she says yeah. like in the show, she's like, oh, and I also exercise in heels. It's like, yeah, bitch, we know. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Cribs 2001. <laughs> yeah, that, I haven't seen every episode because I got bored after a while because everybody's house was just beige. Whereas I like that hers, there was a lot of beige, but it had personality as well. Mm. You know, I did I enjoy like- the fact that most of the people back in the day, the cribs, it was like looking at changing rooms after Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen had been in there. <laughs> like now everything's like streamlined. I mean, my thing nowadays is Architectural Digest. And I don't know if you've seen that inside celebrity oh. homes. That's like, mm. that's like the intellectuals cribs. <laughs> well, the, the big conspiracy theory is, is that celebrities will only have their homes featured as if they're they about to, to break up. And yeah, well, that's sell. what Jennifer Aniston did before mm. her and um, Jimmy, uh, what's his name? Justin Furry? Jimmy Furry. Jimmy Furry. Naomi Watson, um, Lee Schreiber. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, a whole oh. bunch. Mm. But yeah, so um, yeah, I do appreciate like her little references back to uh, to herself. Mm. And like you said, actually earlier, Helen, like one of the first things I wrote down was like, Billy is like cornering the market on Santa's elves. <laughs> because I know. Noel... Who saw that coming? Yeah. I mean, not. I, I know for him, it's actually across two years because Noel came out in the States in last year. Yeah. It's only just reaching uh, the UK now. But like... Who saw that coming? And it's like Keegan-Michael Key turning up in two musicals this in the mm. last month. 
Who saw that coming? Yeah. I did not. <laughs> there have been weird coincidences happening this year. I don't know if it's some kind of side effect of 2020, but some crazy, strange, unpredictable I, things are happening. I feel, but what I love about the Mariah one is that clearly everyone was desperate to be in it. Like mm. it was, it, I don't think she would have had to Even ask. Charlie Brown. Yeah, no, like, yeah. <laughs> Charlie Brown was like, please, Mariah, I need this. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like everyone, I mean, the reason why Bette Midler and all that lot want to do it, because it's Mariah Carey. Like mm. you can say what you want about her. And she, I think she's just this icon that you want to be in it, even if it's as cheesy as it could possibly be. I think Billy, especially if it's cheesy, yeah, I think exactly. you want to be in I mean, it more if it's cheesy. If anybody saw the the Casey Musgraves uh, Christmas special that she did last year, mm-hmm. it was purposefully cheesy, trying to lean hard into sort of like the hokey country angle. And her and Zoe Deschanel do um, Melikaliki Maka and they... Oh, I love that song. Ah, oh, so do I. It's one of my faves. It's the best. But um, yeah. everything was sort of done with like these little like comedic skits in between. And it was sort of supposed to be quirky and like cheesy and very different to Mariah's but also at the same time, like that same, it had a specific angle that it was trying to be. It wasn't trying to be purposefully good. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I mean, like mm-hmm. it knew very firmly what lane it was in and they were working hard to stay within that. And I feel like that was the same with Mariah. And, you know, she's had a lot of different uh, Christmas entries. Like they call her the queen of Christmas for a reason. I swear, if one more person says to me on Twitter, what about Michael Bublé? I'm going to lose my fucking shit because I can't <laughs> handle any more of like, but isn't he the king of Christmas? I'm like, no. No, he's not. He's new to the scene. If you're going to do anyone, it's Bing Crosby. But like King of Christmas, I'm upset. That's hurtful. But (laughs) Mariah's done, um, she did a Christmas melody, which was like a Hallmark Christmas rom-com with Lacey Cabea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she kind of plays the villain in it. There's also an animated Mariah Carey Christmas Mm, movie. I remember that. yeah, there's lots of different iterations. There's also a children's book, um, Mariah Carey, All I Want For You. <laughs> Are you looking at your shelf yes. trying to get it? You were looking at your shelf when you said that, yeah. I was like, I knew kind of the vicinity that it was in. And I was like, nah, don't do it, don't do it. Um, but there's a lot of a lot of multimedia sort of entries yeah. where her, her lane for Christmas stuff is purposefully like supposed to be a bit tacky. Yeah, yeah. I, it, I mean, I was just because I was just looking up White Christmas as well, and and sort of the the production history of that, and it's. I thought it would be much more uh, cynical than it was. They they literally tore the script apart and put it back together because yeah. it was garbage. Like a couple of weeks before production. Um, so there, it's, a, think, it's a very fractured production too. I was reading all about that, like Fred Astaire coming in, coming out. It, it was wild. Yeah, um, it, yeah, because Danny Kaye was originally that that part was originally going to be played by Donald O'Connor, right? Mm. Um, from obviously uh, uh, singing in the rain. So you know, Even there was the a lot of in and, and stuff like that. Like the my favorite. It's so weird for a movie that is named after one of the iconic Christmas songs. I think the mm. best song in it is Sisters by far. Oh, and yeah. so catchy. Yeah, shout out to my friend Brad Millison who did an amazing drag version of it just like not Ooh. that long ago. <laughs> incredible it's on instagram very funny very good very clever but that whole production is you know 
just in that era where the Hayes Code is really being enforced in earnest. Mm-hmm. So the costumes are like, okay, well, we have to be limited about what kind of skin we can show and how much skin we can show. So everything has to be like super tight and cinched at the waist. And it's except, all like, except for Vera Ellen's legs. Let's get yeah, them Vera that Ellen's legs. out. <laughs> There's only so much the code can stop before <laughs> it's like hurtful. But there is so much stuff like that where it's like, implied sexuality and implied yep. sexiness in a way that um adds like a, a knowing sort of sensuality to it which you know you know in hindsight is because there was this restrictive bullshit code in place but at the same time it adds a little something something to it that makes it mm-hmm. maybe just like a few extra layers clever because they had to be inventive to sort of work around this like regiment mm. yeah I think yeah, it's definitely. like really what I really liked about it even though I felt I mean it's kind of like that cross between like a, like a, you know, the backstage musical. It's like, oh, we're putting on a production so we can yes. do it. So it's like, there's I like, love those. Yeah. And it, in this improbably large barn with this enormous stage, yeah. which makes no sense. This is why he's losing money. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that it, can't be an efficient use of your land. Yeah. This is all that jazz and cabaret and, yeah. you know. It's wild. But there was like, there was just, you know, you had, the, it was interesting, like, oh, he breaking his song. And then you see this like, okay, we're just going to do this. And like, Danny Kaye's like, the choreography number which I thought was like I thought that I really enjoyed that number but I thought was like is this like a kind of oh video killed the radio star moment where it's like now with the eyeliner and everything do you know what I mean it's kind of like oh it's kind of that that feeling of it's like oh a new kind of movement has come in actually now we Mm. don't call it dance now we call it choreography and then they're kind of the kind of old versus the new and it's like oh this is quite you know this is thematic it's like oh I feel like this is kind of like there's a subtext here about like how things are evolving and changing I mean I thought it was so interesting that you saw um oh what's his name um George Chakaris who was in the um who's obviously in West Side Story as Bernardo and then he's there playing like a uh, a dancer during Rosemary Clooney I keep saying Rosemary Clooney after. what's her name Helen is it Helen uh, Betty Betty, She's Betty Betty sorry what was it what was it? Betty and Judy that's Betty it and Betty and Judy Hayes Hayes that's why I've got the H um but like he's like dancing and I thought oh god it's so interesting how like people like that would he would go on to be in West Side Stories which actually totally changed the kind of like the way people dance the choreography was a whole new kind of style of it and it's like oh I love that it's already acknowledging that shift kind yeah, of forwards. Getting, yeah, much jazzier kind of yeah. music actually than than this sort of, you know, because this, this would be easy listening. Like, let's mm. be honest, like White Christmas would 100% be filed in the easy listening section of... of Adult if there were contemporary, still baby. Adult <laughs> contemporary. <laughs> Just like Tommy Mottola wanted. <laughs> oh my God. Adult contemporary. Um, but yeah, I, I and I do think it's... The, the heightened reality of both kind of seem to fit together, even though they're, you know, White Christmas at least pretends to have a plot and Mariah just goes straight to the songs. Uh, I like it, that it, she issued the plot, honestly. I really like that. <laughs> like that she was like, fuck it. <laughs> no, <laughs> just put me in a CGI sled. You'll get your yep. bangers. You'll get your hair. You'll get your face and your cool outfits. Give me a celebrity cameos. Here's Jermaine yeah. Free. Give me a ski suit. Let's go. But but with rhinestones. Thank yeah. you very much. I of did course. actually also at one point I had my notes and I did actually put, write boobs in capital letters and underlined it three <laughs> times. Was and it the crisscrossy outfit where it was both like it had a boob slit and a thigh slit? Because I yeah, was just that like that one was amazing. I mean I love amazing. I absolutely adored it. I think feet of engineering a hundred percent. Honestly. I think I literally messaged Maria while I was watching it going, <laughs> yeah. the boob engineering in this it's thing incredible. is amazing. The boob grip, whoever the boob grip was, <laughs> was all over Well, you it. know what Kim Kardashian does? She uses duct tape to mm. like, 
And actually, I tried that one year for Pride <laughs> and I didn't use duct tape. I should mm. have used something more more boob friendly, but I still got <laughs> slightly little scars from where like my skin oh, came God. off when I took it off. It when was, you yeah. said Whoa. slightly more friendly, I just had this visual of you duct taping off your nipples, like with the tape. Like, oh, there goes yeah. the nipple. Oh, no, there's legit, the other nipple. I, I mean, honestly, like I got because I was tired. I was going to sing, and like I, it looked great. I was like, oh, my boobs look great. But then afterwards, when I was like sweating on like um, old my boobs are great if they were yeah. ransom being yeah. held for ransom in the trunk of a car. Yeah, I mean, look, it scarred me, and I learned my lesson. Yeah, but but Mariah has ways that us normal mortals do not. Exactly. I mean, just to add to her costume, I did notice that, you know, these these elusive, these amazing dance tights that people wear, where like Beyonce wears them as well. They, mm. they man, they're so thick that mm. they literally streamline everything. And I'm like, oh, she's got the dance tight. Not. She's, this is the thing. It's these, these, these specific things designed for particular moments. Although, arguably, I will say this, Mariah does not dance. <laughs> That's why Ariana Grande is the heir to the throne because Ariana Grande is like, I don't like to dance. I just want to get up there and sing my little yes, songs. Yeah, and yeah, Mariah's yeah. like, I don't want to dance. I yeah. just want to get up there and sing my little songs. And I'm yeah. like, you'll dance around me. I'll be here. Okay. Like shimmy on the spot. It's like, yeah. I will, this is, she's actually very good for social distance dancing, wouldn't they? Because they're like, <laughs> this is my area. One meter. I will go here. I will shift my shoulders. I will do my hands. Like there's a lot of hands yeah. and I love it because also as someone who loves wearing like nails, I've got my acrylics on mm. now. It's like, there's something where you're like, oh, oh yeah. The Mimi hands, and they do, do it, it in glee. They, they have a whole yeah. subplot in glee yeah, about yeah. Mariah hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so good. So, um, but yeah, I massively appreciate her. Yeah, the engineering. I would, we should mm. we should speak to the costume. Who's her costume designer? Well, Seriously. there's a bunch of, cos. this is was the trick that I learned from cosplay people who are like, no, 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 you need this, this, and this, but there's a bunch of very clever bras that I'm just like, uh, you need to win the Nobel Prize for like gravity defying liftage, but are like wire and essentially wrapped down and up. And you're like, oh my God, <laughs> like it's Where did amazing. those come from? It's the bend and snap of like lingerie, <laughs> of, truly. Of bras. But I do feel that maybe because her boobs are so big, there also comes the fact that if you squeeze them in to something that's quite tight or corseted, it'll actually maintain it because of the pressure. Like you're pushing down, like you could, like it was very, <laughs> she was, they were pushing down a lot. Like they kind of looked somewhat, they kind of taken on this like oblong form. Not this, mm. sorry, I'm really disturbing it, but it was like, it kind of, they weren't <laughs> as round. They were a bit more rectangular. They become a more like rectangular kind of shape because mm. of the slit. You could just see. Just the pressure is working yeah, upon yeah, them. Yeah, that's yeah, it. It was, like, it was like this. It was like, Fred was like, oh, you see that line? hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. It is impossible. Like, as I have E cups and I can't wear anything that is low cut cleavage because it just does not look incredible. It just doesn't look flattering. I need that support mm. there. Mm. And so, without like a bunch of the dresses and costumes that she wears, you cannot have a bra in them because you would no. see the strap. So, they're being yeah, held they're up being... with mesh and tape yeah. and whatever. So, it doesn't look the way regular boobs would look because they're being held in there with. Fuck knows what, like cable ties, <laughs> duct tape, yeah. who knows? Tiny little Santa elves, like holding Tiny it Santa elves just like, whoosh, <laughs> it's like up and together. Up Honestly, and whatever, together. whatever she's got, I want it because it's, even with minimal movement, they don't move. Like yeah. the support there is incredible. It's better than, um, 
the best sports bras I've ever had were the Serena Williams versus Burley ones. They were just oh, like interesting. the most supportive yeah. ever. And even then, you know, you still have boob movage. Like it's yeah. impossible yeah, over a certain tit size. And hers just like, they were just defying gravity and I just yeah. really ex- respect it, admire it, and delegate it. I admire it, it as well. The Adina Menzel bra, yeah. presumably. I admire yeah. it because I, like, I'm a D and I find, I hate, like, I wear lots of I play sport, but, like, I hate wearing bras. Like, I would actively avoid, like, unless it's required. I'm not wearing a bra right now. I'm not wearing honor. a bra right now. No, no. No, no, shaking it. Tits out for Helen. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like when I, you know, I, what I love is like because I mean she might be right. Look, we don't know. We need so we need her to do a <laughs> they do a, a kind of Instagram story where it breaks down mm. how she put it on. But like you didn't look like she was wearing a bra, and I kind of love that because I feel like why do we have to? Why is society mm. pressuring us into? When You're right. right. It was a feminist sh- statement. Yeah. But what <laughs> we should be wearing is floor length gowns. All the time. With rhinestones. Makeup. Like that is yep. feminism, guys. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Post, post, I do, I post, don't, post, post. <laughs> I don't think there's anything else to, to really add to that, except Shock Absorber Ultimate Run is also a very good sports bra. Okay. Thank really, you really for recommend. that tip. I'm um, always on the lookout. Anything where you don't have to like double layer is what I'm after. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Hi everybody, my name's Helen. And I'm Kobe. And we're from Flix Watcher, a podcast in the strip media family. We are a movie podcast and we review films that are just on Netflix in the UK. So if you've ever struggled to find a film on Netflix to watch, we're the podcast for you. We have guests on from other podcasts, big and small, just like these guys that you listen to now. They choose the films and we rate them and discuss them with our unique scoring system. You can find Flix Watcher on any podcast app by searching Flix Watcher. That's F-L-I-X Watcher. And if you want more information about any of the other podcasts in the Strip Media family, just visit www.stripped.media to find out more. All right, so just to wrap it up, I mean... Did you did you enjoy both movies? Would you would you recommend them? We we tend to rate things here on two criteria. So first of all, Christmasiness. How do these two movies score for their Christmasiness? I mean, you, it has to be like eleven for Mariah. I mean, what is it? I like, know it's like eleven Mariahs out of Mariahs. You yeah, know? yeah. It's a, yeah. yeah wildly. There's nothing. I don't think anything has ever been more Christmas than Mariah's. How Christmas could you festival. make it more Christmassy? Is the thing, and even the runtime, I would say, is in the spirit of Christmas because, <laughs> like, even just gives going you time to, to do other things. Exactly. Just going back to watch rewatch White Christmas, a movie that I love. But boy, when that two hour runtime comes up I'm like oh fuck I really forgot yeah. this is like every bit of two hours and I love it and I enjoy it and it's wonderful and it's whimsical and it's nostalgic and everyone's so great and has so much chemistry but 45 minutes is no, like I did lifetime bright <laughs> I'm sorry to say I, I this I feel so bad saying this but I did I did slightly fall asleep for like 15 minutes in the middle of white Christmas and woke up I was like what do I miss oh nothing because it's just <laughs> I was like, okay I know I'm fine it's fine I've, I've got it I think white Christmas even, I mean, I'd actually say it's not that Christmassy. For no, it's not really that Christmassy. All. Like you could, I think there's, I mean, look, you could, apart from the song, which obviously I think may, I think sure. it's Christmassy things comes from the aesthetic um, and the, that song and the timing, but I don't think there's anything quintessentially Christmas because there was no like, 
I don't even think there was a major message because it seemed like, you know, there's always a kind of online, it's like, hey, look, mm. you know, you know, be Mar- nicer to each yeah, other. Yeah, Mariah Carey's like, we need to lift our spirits. Like at the end of Elf, like, let's sing and that'll help spirits. That's why I was like saying at the beginning, I was like, oh, that's why it's Elf. She's Zoe Deschanel. Yeah. <laughs> at the end. No, but <laughs> the, the best whole- <laughs> way to send Christmas cheer is singing loud for <laughs> all to Exactly. <laughs> but I felt like, you know, there's, I don't know if it was a slightly propaganda element of like the war by saying, hey, we should uplift our generals who fought. Do you know what I mean? It was a very like military. <laughs> and I don't know when it came out. Like, was there something specific? 54. So the war. Yeah over but I feel like it was this is the Korea way we can yeah. exactly no, but no. also all the people who have post-traumatic stress and it was mm. like we need to sort of like cast this with a brush you know so what? we can and look back fair. and have some kind of nostalgia yeah. or something that's fair enough but I felt like the kind of um I, I mean I personally think the whole the, the oh the oh, bachelor needs to get needs to needs to settle down and it's like oh let's get him to settle down with someone half his age that he's just met you know it feels a bit like oh I feel like this is quite tired and it's such a typical statement of like what it would happen like how many movies have we seen these kind of like fading not fading but middle-aged kind of like once gorgeous Hollywood men who are suddenly paired with people much longer than them it happened you know with mm-hmm. the Cary Grants they've all done it at some point when it is for sure younger. like the festive some like it hot in many many ways yeah yeah <laughs> but I did appreciate you know the the gray that they applied to Dean Jagger's hair like it was very yeah, yeah. the spray on was pretty great and I was like god he looks great <laughs> for a general um oh because he's younger than Bing um but yeah, yeah I don't know I think I would say it's probably about a six maybe as a Christmas okay, right. movie and then objective quality, how would you rate them both? Oh, I think good. It's like I'd say White Christmas is probably a better quality film than Mariah's. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think you can watch White Christmas any time of the year and I think you're only watching the Mariah Co. Christmas special at Christmas. Or <laughs> in July. I don't know. Yeah. Do you guys do this Christmas in July in the UK? No? Oh, you, well, they I mean, do that holiday advertise. Like, you get invited. Come to yeah. Christmas in July. I'm like, yes, it's their canapes. So I'll come down for cafes <laughs> and the free voucher to clocks. <laughs> yeah, well, the reason we do it here is because Christmas in Australia is really hot. It's yeah. like our summer. So it's mm. seafood, it's bikinis, it's thongs, it's beers. Yeah. It's like the beach, all that kind of stuff. So they'll do Christmas in July. So you can have a, an excuse to basically just have a massive Christmas feast during a season <laughs> where it actually feels somewhat Christmassy in July. But, you know, you're either watching the Mariah Carey Smith special in December or July. I don't think it has legs, God bless, outside yeah. of that. Whereas White Christmas, I think, has Vera watch. Ellen legs. So, and, you know. and can we just also just massively appreciate, like, how good the choreography was? I, I love that for me, I, I sometimes, like, I could watch the dancing more than I could listen to the singing because she's so good. Like, when she was doing the, the flips... Like, oh, God, I was like, how do you not get dizzy? <laughs> she's like, there's the kind of number, the second number where she's like, uh, well, she's got when it's like white sequin. I mean, Mariah would have loved it. That's white sequined <laughs> kind of like, it slightly looked really bejeweled on the like the kind of um, the butt bit, the kind of. Yes, they mm-hmm. throw her on a on a flying fox at one bit. They're like, yeah, you're going to do a whole musical yeah. number. You'll be upside down. It will go for five minutes. And at the end of it, you'll jump on a flying fox across the soundstage. Yeah. And then maybe he'll catch you. Maybe he won't. But like, let's just keep <laughs> it moving. No, I thought it was it was so good and so mesmerizing, those scenes. And I just think, you know, I wish in a way it's like, I think I wish that it had the Mariah had a bit more of that. 
like I know we had Misty Copeland, but I think we underestimate how like how brilliant dance numbers are. And I think by having all the dancers more in the peripheral, and of course we're focusing on Mimi, but like it would have been nice to kind of see that a bit more, that kind of element. And then it would have felt a bit more like of a variety show rather than, yeah. but again, you know, I'm just. And that might be COVID. So, yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And also like when, you know, the person to do that, I don't know if Mariah Carey is the best person to do something that has a lot of dance numbers in it, but <laughs> Beyonce is that person. Like when are we getting the Beyonce Christmas special? Because, you know, there would be choreography, there would be vocals, there would be visuals. It would be just the best. We'd we also get the nine curse. days of Christmas, which is also a great uh, Christmas song. And um, we get the girls yeah. back together. No, I think the problem with Mariah is that if you have dancers, it takes attention away from her. And that is... <laughs> that is unacceptable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. Okay, I think we have an agreement. So we're going to meet here <laughs> next year yes, for, for the Beyonce yeah. Christmas special. Whoever's yeah. listening to this, make it happen. I, we don't care how. Tina um, Knowles, I know you're out there. I know she's <laughs> a big fan of the Bar Humbug podcast. What, what, Christmas, what Christmas movie would you pair it with? I'm thinking like now. It's like, because also, sorry, I'm, I feel like I'm opening up a can of worms right at the end of where we're supposed to, you're trying Ooh. to wrap up Helen. I think you have to call it Bamus. <laughs> yeah. But I'm, I'm going to have to think about this. I'm going to have to wait until the Beyonce trailer mm. comes out and then try and figure out what we ma- what on earth we could possibly match it to because... You know, I think it's going to be extraordinary and Mm. it will definitely happen because we've just decided it on this podcast right now. Uh, Guys, can you tell listeners where they can find you for more of your work? Are you on Twitter? Are you on Instagram? Where should they go? Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Hannah Flint without an H on the end. There's another Hannah Flint who exists. She's not me. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, I was very, very aggressive, but she isn't. There and can she, be one. There is only one. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram with Hannah and Esplint, but that's pretty much thirst post. But, you know, if that's your bag. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to find that. That sounds great. <laughs> uh, Maria, how about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. If you just search Maria Lewis, it should come up, but I'm under Movie Maz. Uh, that's Maz with two Zs. I'm on Instagram under Maria Lewis as well. And if you want to check out my books or any of the TV stuff or museum stuff, it's at marialewis.com.au. Well, listen, thank you so much to Hannah. Thank you to Maria. And thank you to all of you for listening. That's it for another episode. Cheers. Thanks for having us. Thanks. If you've enjoyed listening to Bar Humbug, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts because it really helps other people find the show. You can also subscribe so you automatically get the rest of this podcast lined up hassle-free and it's only going to be a limited run up to Christmas. It won't be using up all your data. If you'd like to hear more from me, you can pre-order my book, Women vs. Hollywood, The Fall and Rise of Women in Film, which comes out in February 2021. You can also, of course, find me in Empire Magazine, which is the world's best film magazine for my money. And I'm on the Empire podcast every week and host the podcast, His Darker Materials, to coincide with BBC HBO drama, His Dark Materials. If you'd like to connect with me or comment on the show or have any queries or comments, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at Helen L. O'Hara, or you can email producers at stripped.media. And I'd like to thank all the people who have made this podcast happen. Thanks to all the team at Strip Media, including Ben Williams, who edits this podcast, as well as Tom Wally, Dave Corkery and Kobe Omanaka, who have all helped produce and put this show together. Thanks also to all of my guests who have been absolutely wonderful in giving up their time to watch some Christmas films that are not always 100% great. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and others produced by Strip Media, please visit www.stripped.media to find out more. 
And that's it. Merry Christmas. You just heard a stripped media production.